second and short NFL premier podcast radio show, your host, Tyler Lauder, of having 20 played games. That's something that they have in there. So that's why they're going to play 17 regular season, play three preseason. Ultimately, for the players, uh, it's been mixed reactions. A lot of people said they knew they were going to go in this direction. Some players are not happy. Alvin Kamara has vocalized and been out there and saying, I can't, I can't repeat what he says because I'm on radio right now. Uh, and it is inappropriate, and I, I'd get in big trouble for my boss, but he's not happy. That's what we have to know. A lot of these players aren't happy. They're, they can't believe that they actually let him do this. Now, this still has to go to a Players Association vote to get 100% confirmed, but it is more than likely going to happen. And the fact is that it's going to bring in more money for the NFL. And here's the thing that these players, I feel like, are not realizing. Really, it's all, it's all short-term for them, because a lot of these guys that are complaining already have long-term deals but if the nfl can generate more revenue that means salary cap goes up if salary cap goes up the nfl players make more per year that's just natural of the beast that's kind of how the nba has kind of went in the mold of making more money spending more money type thing and let's be honest they're only playing 17 games now yes we still have players that are getting hurt and broken down and i am one of those people that is i've always been a full believer that like if you're going to tear your acl it's not because you know, you ran a route today in practice and that route made it tick. It's, it's more so it's the time and uses on it. Like it's all wear and tear. Eventually it's going to tear. So if you decided not to run routes that day, it might tear tomorrow. Things you can't really predict. Now getting hit. Yeah, obviously those are things that are going to affect you in ways. But honestly, if they expand the season by one game, expand rosters a little bit, more players are now in the NFL. NFL's making more money, players make more money in turn. It's just a domino effect. Every reaction has an action. That's just kind of how, or every action has a reaction, whatever. But that's kind of how everything goes, and I don't understand why people would be upset at this, other than the fact that they feel like they're getting used by the NFL to make more money, which is true, but you're profiting off of being able to play a sport that kids do. You're just doing it at the highest level, and you're getting rewarded pretty well financially. The NFL has already kind of talked about how they're going to do the schedule. And let's, let, let's break this down. How would the NFL make this extra week? Because right now, the schedule, is, it looks perfect, right? If you're an NFC team, you play your division. You play everybody twice. That's six games. You play one whole other division in the NFC. Now you're up to 10. Then you play one whole division in the AFC. Now you're up to 14. And then you play the two teams in the NFC and the other divisions that finished in the same position as you in their respective divisions. So how do you add this? Well, do another cross-conference game. So the NFC South will pair up with the AFC South and vice versa and all the way through. And you'll play the same, you'll play a team that finished in the same way you did. Let me just say this. I am a Carolina Panthers fan. Now I, I am very unbiased in my takes, but my fandom will always stay true and, and I will always be a Panther fan. With them getting an extra game against an AFC team, it just provides more opportunities based on where I live to go and view more games. That's a positive in my eyes. Like, there, if, there's, if there's an AFC team close to my location, the Denver Broncos, well, I, I don't want to wait every four years and hope that Carolina is playing in Denver so that way I can have a close game. Now, they could play Denver every single year. So that's a positive. For me, I like that aspect of it from a fan's view. Like, we get to see more games. Who wouldn't enjoy that? 
all we're doing is cutting out a preseason game that most of us don't watch anyways because the fourth preseason game, let's be honest, is everybody that's just trying to make a roster. And no disrespect to them. That game is necessary for them. But from fans, everybody's ready for week one. So we're already, we're already done. We're already tailored out. In my opinion, cut back a third preseason game and go to two and add in an extra bye week. If the NFL was to go into this route of tailoring to the players, making it beneficial for them, then in my eyes, going to a 19-week schedule is the best move. It's the next move. Every team gets two bye weeks. You break it down into large chunks, you know, week six to week nine. That's four weeks. You get an eighth, or sorry, a fourth of the league that gets buys throughout those weeks. And then in weeks, thir- in like, I don't know, 13 through 16, you do the same thing. Or 12 through 15, you do the same thing. And every team, every, you know, they have a buy here. And then four weeks later, they're going to have another buy. That's just kind of how it goes. And it's, that's okay. Because then players are going to have more time to rest, get healthy. And if players are getting more time to rest and stay healthy, that means that your key players are on the field more, which means when you, as a fan, decide to do whatever it is, turn on the radio, click on Fox on, you know, to watch the Sunday game, or even just drive to a location and pay for a ticket to go watch a game, you get a better chance of seeing the guy you want to see. Now, your fandom might push past that and you don't even care, and that's okay, but being able to tailor a system that can be beneficial to the players and the NFL itself, I think is best because in the long run, the fans win. The fans win, and that is all that matters. And so we kind of want to go over and talk about the games that are going to happen. And like I said, you are going to see a fifth game. Now, the games that we kind of have like this proposal of what they think, it's, it, we don't know if this is a fact, but like I said, if your team finished first in your division, so let's just go with the NFC North, uh, the Green Bay Packers, you're going to play the team that finished first in the AFC in the division you're playing, which is this proposal, is the Kansas City Chiefs. So we're going to see the NFC North taking on the AFC West, Packers, Chiefs, Bears, Raiders, Vikings, Chargers, Lions, Broncos. And then you're going to see the NFC West taking on the AFC North. Seahawks, Steelers, Ravens, Rams, Cardinals, Browns, 49ers, and Bengals. Then you're going to see the South versus the South with the Saints taking on the Titans, Bucks taking on the Colts, Panthers taking on the Texans, and the Falcons taking on the Jags. Finally, we're going to see the East taking on the East. Where we're going to see, well, one of them is not the least, but one of them is going to be after this thing. We have the Washington football team, current name, taking on the Buffalo Bills, Giants, Dolphins, Cowboys, Patriots, Eagles, Jets. First reactions from this. This is really good. This is really positive because, I mean, what do we have every year? We have these teams that sit at the bottom, the NFL, and then out of nowhere they kind of spring forward. And, and why do they spring forward? Because they're playing equal competition now, so their games, they look better. And we have the 49ers taking on the Bengals. And I'm sorry, but those teams are not both like, they currently finished, you know, last year fourth in their division but quote-unquote respectable they are not both fourth in their division the Bengals are they're rebuilding they're moving they're tooling they're a year or two out from taking over this division but the 49ers might be the best team in that division when healthy and we had this situation happen over the past week where they went out and they traded and they moved around and they got the number three pick 
you know, they gave up a lot, you know, multiple first round picks, a third round pick, and they moved all the way up from 12 to three, the Miami Dolphins. And Jimmy G walked into a room and was like, what is going on? I thought I was your quarterback. I thought you liked me. I thought I was your guy. Well, I mean, he is. They still say he is. They're lying to his face. They're lying to the media saying that they want Jimmy G there. Jimmy G is still our guy. You don't trade up to three to take a left tackle. You could, but you don't, not in this draft. Don't get me wrong. Sewell is going to be a premier left tackle for the next 15 years in the NFL out of Oregon. I think that guy is amazing. He's a standout. But if they were going to draft a tackle, I mean, we have Rashawn Slater. I pr- probably just butchered his first name, but Slater, left tackle, probably could play right tackle too from Northwestern. Who's in that range of that 12th draft pick? Probably could move up a couple spots to guarantee they got him. So if they were trying to get a better offensive lineman to pair with, you know, the newly franchise-breaking best left tackle in the game, Trent Williams, they could have smoothed up a couple spots. So what's that tell us? Well, they're not going after Kyle Pitts. I mean, they have George Kittle in-house. They already have a Kyle Pitts. They have a better Kyle Pitts. They've went wide receiver in the first two rounds the past two years. You know, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. So are they really going to go that route? I don't, I don't think so. I, it just seems it makes sense to me. So what could they do? Well, quarterbacks. And apparently they offered this deal to several teams. Uh, apparently the Jets, then the Dolphins, the Falcons, and the Bengals all got offered this pretty big deal because the 49ers want to move up and get a new quarterback. They want to move into new territory. They don't want to be sitting in this situation where Jimmy G is, he's a good quarterback. He's passable. He can be a game manager, but he's not, he's not pushing the needle for you enough to be a Super Bowl winning team. I mean, we could all argue that if the 49ers had slightly more competent quarterback play in their Super Bowl appearance two years ago, they would have won the Super Bowl. I guess it was last year. It's two Super Bowls, but last year, they would have won the Super Bowl. That's all they needed. That's all the difference was. You know, that defense is amazing. They're stout. Now, they did lose some players here and there through injury, and that's the reason why the 49ers fell down. So who do we think they're going to get? Well, let's talk about Justin Fields, right? Everybody is amazed at the pro day from Zach Wilson. Everybody knows Trevor Lawrence going number one. And, you know, Trey Lance and Justin Fields are kind of not getting the same respect that, like, Zach Wilson is. And I, here's what I don't understand. Justin Fields has shown that he's been a multi-year starter. A lot of times we like bash these like Ohio State quarterbacks because, well, they don't, they're not that good. They don't, they don't pan on the NFL. Look at Dwayne Haskins, you know. It's, the past couple of years we've seen these guys that come in for Ohio State, they play one year, maybe one and a half because they transition due to an injury. But Justin Fields has been here for multiple seasons. And statistically, he's just as good as those guys. However, he's played longer than them. So it's not just like a flash in the pan, the best offense around. Like he had players that were great, left, went to the NFL, came back, still played really well. And today he just ran a 4.4440. Now, yes, show me what you can do with pads on. A 40 time is almost getting irrelevant nowadays age with the way scouts are looking at everything. However, it's, that's impressive. A 4.4440 from a quarterback is nice to see when, you know, if a quarterback breaks the pocket, and goes on a scramble, his ability to break away from that running back, or sorry, that linebacker, is cause for me to think that he's less likely to get, you know, caught and tackled from bad angles. 
he's able to be quicker to get out of the pocket and move and find that sideline as he goes for that first down. That speed is something that you want. I mean, the NFL is evolving. And we're getting to points in the NFL where you got to have every tool in the toolbox to be the guy. Otherwise, you're just the next guy in line till they get the guy. And what I mean by that is right now we've seen Jared Goff get traded. Why is that? He doesn't have all the tools in the toolbox. Like they had to pay him because if you don't have a quarterback, you know, you got to follow what, you know, the NFL society tells you to do. If you don't have a quarterback, you can't be successful. And I'm right now just bashing Jim, you know, Jimmy G saying that the 49ers could have won with a better quarterback. So I'm, I'm to blame of this same stereotyping that you have to have a quarterback to be successful in the NFL. But Goff gets traded. He's, you know, we see guys get moved around. They're, they're yearly starters. Andy Dalton lost his job as a backup. But then we see guys like Josh Allen and how well he can transcend that Buffalo Bills team. It's not to say he's a great quarterback throwing the ball. He's got a cannon for an arm. His accuracy is improving as he goes along, but he's able to break that pocket. He's able to move outside the pocket, throw on the run. He's able to dive for a first down. He has the, uh, you know, the athletic ability to move on his own, and he has the mental capacity to play the position. So Justin Fields, for me, has all the tools in the toolbox. The only thing going against him is he played at Ohio State, and the history of Ohio State quarterbacks is not very strong. I'm sorry, Drew Brees came from Purdue. Aaron Rodgers came from Cal. Tom Brady came from Michigan. These are all good schools, but they're not known for always producing the same. I mean, this isn't the, you know, 2005 where we're sitting here and we're just clamoring over, oh man, if there's a tight end coming out of Miami, you've got to take him because they're always good. Their linebackers are always good. You know, DB University, this and that. Take these quarter, you know, that doesn't, that's not a thing anymore in my eyes. I feel like good players go where they want to go and they can still be good in the NFL. It doesn't really matter. Sure, LSU, yeah, they produce a lot of good wide receiver talent. I mean, we have literally Landry, OBJ, Justin Jefferson, now Jamar Chase. But go back another 15 years prior to that. Is every receiver coming out wide receiver one material? No. Players are good when they're good. That's, it's, it's, it's such a, such a weird thing to say that good players are good but it doesn't it doesn't matter where they go to school at sure getting better coaching helps but if, if you're a premier athlete and you want to play at western kentucky instead of going and playing at a big georgia school you know playing at georgia because you're down in the south and you're still an elite talent you can get drafted in the first round trey lance decided to go to north dakota state university instead of other places because he wanted to play there this is where he wanted to play does that mean that he's a lesser quarterback? To some people, yeah. Because he played against lesser competition, he's not as good. But here's the thing. When you get to the NFL, it doesn't, every year there's lesser competition. Every year there's players that are not as good as the next guy or the team before. There's, that's the whole point of competition is that one team is superior. And if you get guys that are better athletes at the position and can do more things, they're going to lead that team to victory. Kind of going on a tangent. Kind of going all over the place here. But there's just a lot of things happening, and I just wanted to kind of touch on them and, and go over them. And I think we're going to be sitting at a place with the 49ers trading up, then the Eagles falling down and the Dolphins come back up. I think we're going to see another trade. If the Atlanta Falcons are not going to take a quarterback, I think that they can get multiple, like two first-round picks from a team to move up. Everybody's talking about the Carolina Panthers. 
talking about maybe the Denver Broncos. A lot of teams talk about maybe the Giants want to trade up and just, you know, let's get a fresher quarterback that isn't going to trip on a breakaway. Who knows? And we've talked about a couple of things here today. First segment, talked about the NFL game, you know, moving to a 17-game, 18-week schedule. Second segment, we talked about uh, everything is the best way to sum it up because I rambled and went in all different directions. Just kind of like a, a full-on bar scene talk was kind of where I was at. That's kind of how my mind works. And so let's kind of zone in. Let's focus. Let's get a subject. Let's stay on topic. It's something I, I'm talking to myself right now. But with all of you guys, let's, you know, let's stay on topic with our ears. Let's kind of focus on one thing. And the NFL free agency, the first wave has went through. We kind of dipped our toes into the second wave. And here we are. We're in this stage of towards the end of the second wave, early third wave, where teams are seeing all these pro days. The draft is within a month. And they might just wait to sign guys to see where they're going to draft and who they get. Because there's nothing worse in my eyes as a fan than watching your team go out and spend money on somebody just to draft the exact same position in the first round. And it's like, well, you could have just tailored that money somewhere else that we needed instead of double dipping right away. So pro football focus. I like to go over their stuff. They like to break stuff down really well. And I'm just going to kind of critique their list. We're going to go over their top 10 free agents and we're going to see you know, with their thoughts and everything. Now, they don't give any predictions on actual teams. They just kind of give scenarios and prices and a little overview. So I'm going to actually take their list, and then I'm going to add my own predictions on top of this. So the first one, we got old man, he's getting there, Richard Sherman. Cornerback, just played at the San Francisco 49ers back in 2019, had an Achilles tear. He has fully recovered, and he had a fantastic season last year. However, San Francisco 49ers, are you know like a like a person trying to do too much they have too many things on their plate and they don't have their priority set in the direction of potentially re-signing sherman and he's kind of came out and said this that they have they have way too much going on right now to really worry about me so where do we think richard sherman can go richard sherman is still you know he's gonna be 32 he you know he produced a he, he produced a pretty good a pretty good 2020 season. In my eyes, like 20, 2019 was, was pretty good. After he recovered from that Achilles, 2020 was still good. He's still a starter. But I think he needs to go to a team that, you know, is more Super Bowl ready. Now, I think the 49ers potentially are Super Bowl ready, but that's the biggest question mark is who's the quarterback and is everybody going to be healthy? So if Sherman can go somewhere where he knows who the quarterback is and everybody's healthy, that might be the best move. And the first place that we have to think about is the New England Patriots because they sign everybody. That's just what they're doing now. But not only that, even though history hasn't told us that they always do this, they go out and buy these big names, history tells us that they'll take guys that can, be, you know, that can shut down specific areas of the field and help them out to play a better zonal defensive scheme. And they did this a couple of years ago. And it was actually a long time ago. And you know, time, Mother Nature you know, and Father Time have not been kind right now. This is 2014. They signed Darrell Rebus, a guy that was at the top of his game, and they needed a premier number one. And I think the Patriots could go out and sign Sherman as well because we don't know what's going to happen with Stephon Gilmore. Now, another team that they could, he could go to is he could just switch it off and 
change conferences and go to the Kansas City Chiefs, a team that is always in need of defensive backs, a team that is willing to pay to you know get to the Super Bowl, and a team that would be a Super Bowl contender. Now, let's say he doesn't want to go to a, you know, a really great coach in Bill Belichick or just necessarily to a Super Bowl contending team. What's the third option for him? The third option is staying with the 49ers. That's the easiest option right here. Rich Sherman stays there. He knows, he knows the system. He can play Taylor, his, you know, his playing ability and his, his you know, field general type stuff to coaching younger, younger players. And I think it would be good for him to stay there. Now, no matter where he goes, I'm not going to give a full prediction on it. I just gave my options on where he could go. Rich Sherman will still have another good year, but I think, he, I think he's got two to three years left in the NFL, and then that's it. So we got to enjoy this while we can. Now let's move on to number two. That was a long time to talk about Rich Sherman. Number two is the offensive tackle, uh, Mitchell Shorts. He was kind of guarding Patrick Mahomes this past year, and he got let go due to contract reasons, but he is still somebody that him coming off an injury is still going to, it's going to push people away. It's going to scare him away. However, offensive line is so important. And I think a team like the Carolina Panthers, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, could easily bring him in. Now, Kansas City still needs offensive line help, but they're going to stay away from it. I could also maybe see him going to a team that kind of needs a little more help because. I mean, he, hopefully he doesn't retire. There's some talks that he might. And if he does, then this whole segment's just shot dead in the foot. But he can still be good enough to help other people out there. And I think he could go somewhere like the Oakland Raiders, who are, sorry, I, keep, I do that all the time, the Las Vegas Raiders, and he can kind of help them protect this two running back tandem they have now with Drake and Josh back there. Michael Shorts, Mitchell Shorts is still a guy that I think could be starter in the NFL, but if he moves back to one of those six offensive linemen, the you know, six man of the line, I think it'd be good for him because he can play both sides of the line and he could even shift in at guard, I believe, and play on the right side for somebody. Now, number three is Antonio Brown, the wide receiver that has been littered with controversy and storylines over the past two years. And he returned to the season after suspension to play with the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he looked pretty good, I thought. I mean, this guy, let's go back two years ago with Pittsburgh. I would tell you that he was the best receiver in the NFL. I don't care what anybody else says. He's better than Monte Adams. He's better than DeAndre Hopkins. He is the best. He can catch everything. And he can do it no matter where he's at. And he's not the same size as these other guys. And he's still dominating. He's unsigned. Now, we kind of talked about how, I think it was last week we kind of talked about how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been working hard on bringing everybody back. And they just retained, they're officially going to retain, and they're the first team to win a Super Bowl and go back to the next season with all 22 starters in place, which is impressive, very impressive. But they haven't signed Antonio Brown. Now, I don't know why they could use a third receiver. I mean, Scotty Miller's pretty good. We like him, you know, but they have Tyler Johnson as well, who was a rookie last year, and, you know, proved some decent moments. Didn't do a lot, but. I mean, he still averaged he still averaged ten yards per reception, you know, and it was as low as total, but in my opinion, he was able to he was able to add another layer to the to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that was necessary for Tom Brady and them to go far into the playoffs. I think having a guy that 
you have to worry about putting him putting just one cornerback on or switching a safety on or having a linebacker covered underneath is an issue when he's this good. I don't care how far removed he is from having an, you know, an all-pro season. And he's had multiple first-team all-pro seasons. Honestly, he, he's, there's no limit to where he can go. The thing is, is that we have to, instead of look at teams that need a wide receiver, we have to look at teams that can take on the personality trait and the, I don't know, the media attention that could bring. Now, the Jacksonville Jags are a team that I think could always bring in a wide receiver. They just brought in Marvin Jones Jr. They, they have DJ Chark there. But I think a third receiver is another good thing. But does Brown want to work with a rookie quarterback? Probably not. Now, another place that he could go, and they're willing to take risks on this, is he could go to the Seattle Seahawks. I think Seahawks would be a great fit for him. They've shown that they're willing to take risks on somebody like Josh Gordon for multiple seasons. So why not bring in Antonio Brown to make Russell Wilson a little happy? I mean, if they added a third receiver there, oh boy, that Seattle offense would look so good. They still can't block anybody. Russell still gets sacked like crazy, but that'd be a pretty good move for him as well. And for a third team, a return to Tampa Bay makes the most sense for me, but I don't know if they're going to spend the money in that direction as they have already you know, produced a franchise tag for Chris Godwin. Now, let's go defensive again, and let's talk about edge rusher Jadavon Clowney. Now, this former Texan Titan is a guy that is, man, his highlight reel from college, that, that game, that bowl game against Michigan where he just popped that running back and got the fumble and recovered. People like to think that because he's an edge rusher, he should produce more sacks. And while that's not wrong, he brings so much more to the game than just that. Jadavon Clowney is one of the best run defenders in the NFL. That's where he stands out. That's where he's elite. I mean, his, 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 his pass rush, what did it do? He, he graded out over a 69 in all of his last three years, last four years. He's graded out over a 69, which is starting-esque level. But he's such a great run, run defender that I think that's where he brings interest to you. Now, where could he go? There's, he's going to sign a one-year deal. No matter what, that's what we do know. He's going to sign a one-year deal because the NFL cap's going to jump, and I think that he is going to go literally to a team that is, that just will give him the most guaranteed money. That's all it is for Clowney. It has nothing to do with how good the team is. It doesn't matter where the team's at. I think whoever will give him the most guaranteed money is where he's going to go. I think the New York Jets would be a great place for him because they need to establish that defense and get them built back up. I think another good team for him, if they had the money, would be the Atlanta Falcons, because I think they desperately need edge rushers to get sacks, but they also need guys that are going to just be playmakers on defense. And I think those situations would be the best for him. Let's move forward. We're going to kind of speed run a couple of these guys. Russell Okung. He was just playing left tackle for the Carolina Panthers. He played several games this year. He's been injury-ridden his whole career. You know, the former six-round pick has kind of fallen off of grace. But being 33, he still has an ability to bring, bring something to you. And I'm going to kind of pair Okung and uh, Alejandro Villanueva, the tackle from Pittsburgh, together. And I think that the Seattle Seahawks are a great landing spot for them. I think the 49ers could use another tackle as well. Uh, but I could also see them potentially going somewhere, maybe not a Kung, but Villanueva, 
maybe going somewhere like the Oakland Raiders as well. Sorry, Las Vegas Raiders. I, I said that twice on live radio. I just messed up that team twice. The Las Vegas Raiders. That's where they can go. I think those teams need to establish more run blocking, and it's kind of going to be the same thing. Any other tackle here, I think would be great in Las Vegas. I think it would be great in Seattle. I, I could easily see teams like the Dolphins adding more offensive line as well. Some safeties that we can go over here. The next big guys that we have out there are Kareem Jackson, who is a former cornerback. He's moved over to safety. I think a team like the Carolina Panthers could take a little risk on him. That'd be a good fit there. I could also see him going to a team like the Miami Dolphins, who are keep establishing their defensive backfield. I could see a team like Buffalo Bills taking a risk on somebody like this. Now, another player on this list, cornerback Brian Poole. He's a slot quarterback through and through. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets brought him back just because he did play pretty well for them. Um, he had a passer rating of under 70 when he was thrown at last year, and the Jets are a team that can improve on defense. And then the last player on this list is going to be edge rusher Melvin Ingram. And I believe that Melvin Ingram could sign with the Texans. Now the Texans, I mean, I could just... I feel like I could have a whole podcast just talking about the Texans and their moves. They keep bringing in guys that are not making big impacts. They're just going to be kind of like role players. But I think somebody like Ingram is a guy that can be a good edge rusher for you and be a competent starter. They've lost so much there in the past couple of years that they need to find some identity to reestablish. And that's it. Those are the top 10 free agents that are still available and where I think they can kind of land and have an impact for 2021. There's so many other names out there. We still don't know what's going to happen with, you know, veterans like Larry Fitzgerald. Assume he's going to be back at Arizona. We don't know what's going to happen with, you know, Adrian Peterson. The NFL draft is, is shortly coming around. And when that NFL draft happens, we're going to see more of these veteran players ink their one-year deals and find their spot. But that's going to do it for us here on Second and Short. My name is Tyler Lauder. Thank you guys for joining me here. Uh, be sure to check out Second and Short. We are on TikTok, dropping one to two videos every day. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. We are everywhere. We're on Twitter. Check us out. Interact with us. We interact right back. And we'll be back next Tuesday as all these pro days are wrapping up. And uh, we're going to kind of go over our own personal mock draft on what we have going on. And we're going to break down where I think all these quarterbacks are going to land. And we'll go over the latest news actions. And who knows? Maybe Deshaun Watson's going to have a 20th. 21st, 22nd lawsuit filed against him. We'll find out. The number keeps going up. But thank you guys for listening. 